Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I welcome Josh Pike. Josh is an Australian singer and songwriter known for his six award-winning indie folk albums, including a Best Of album released in 2017. He is a man of many talents, and today we talk about his picture books, including Josh's new one, Chatterpuss. Thanks for having me. Josh, can you start by giving us an elevator pitch as to what Chatterpuss is about? Chatterpuss is about a, a very reserved hen <laughs> called Glenn and a very vociferous, like, you know, chat, chatty cat called Chatterpuss. And despite the differences, uh, they're best mates. And despite Chatterpuss's annoying habit, she kind of always comes through in the end. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of... It's, it's humorous, but it's, it's really about acceptance and friendship. And an unlikely friendship too. I like it when different people are drawn together when they may not have been. Exactly. Well, that's real life, isn't it? Your, your best friends are often not that similar when you get down to it. Josh, are you Chatterpuss or Glenn the Hen? <laughs> I'm definitely Chatterpuss. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I actually, <laughs> I mean, one, one of my kids has, um, has ADD. And I and it's genetic, right? And so I was like, I, I, you know, the more we learn about it, the more I go like, oh my god, this just sounds like me. And I did one of those, you know, online tests for where you answer these questions, and it said like, if you're above um, this score out of sixty, if you're above forty, then you should probably go see a doctor. And I, when I did it myself, I was like, oh, 38, fine, I scraped in. And then my wife did it like on my behalf answering the questions <laughs> the way she saw it <laughs> I got 44 and one of the questions was do you often uh dominate conversations and interrupt <laughs> with 
things? And I had answered no. <laughs> and she answered yes. Oh, I love that so much. And I may not even be needed for this interview. Honestly. I can just riff. I can just riff for the next half an hour, but I'm definitely chatterpuss. You know what I love about that story is that the your wife did the quiz for you and she was like, I'm going to do the quiz and this is going to be much more accurate. <laughs> it is. I mean, we've been together for 17 years and you kind of hope that your partner of that long knows you better than you know yourself. <laughs> you would hope. What I really love about having children, I have two of my own, is that you always see your own traits reflected back and they're usually not the best traits. You know, the funny thing about having kids is like you realise, you also realise when you recognise these things in your kids, you realize how much you change from when you're a kid to when you're an adult. Um, you know, like I was very, I was, like I was pr pretty much the opposite of what I am now. I was very shy, you know, wouldn't put myself out there at all. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I sort of trained myself out of that as an adult. And I assumed my kids would be more like me the way that I am as an adult. Mm -hmm for them as a kid and it's just you know they're, they're they're not adults they're not mature they're like they're funny little shy dudes that you know they're not they're not like me at all at the moment it's funny though because they are their own people but then you see these flashes of yourself now and then my daughter is either zero or hero she's either ruling the world or she's crying in a corner and i'll be like where did she get that from and everyone's looking at me going ah i know well that's that's exactly that sort of self-awareness that sometimes as adults we lack which is where you know in my instant in my case my wife comes in you know great she's my biggest counsel and and best advice giver because she definitely knows me better than i know myself and sometimes you don't want to see those traits that you might have that's right <laughs> Now, obviously, you're a very successful musician, but this is a book podcast, so I wanted to ask you, what drew you to writing picture books? Uh, well, I was definitely having kids. I, I, I must say, when I was a kid, I loved writing was my first passion. So I was always um, good at writing, writing stories. I remember, you know, writing, trying to write novels when I was like, you know, 10 and 11. Um, so... And, and actually, I, I went quite badly in music in school and in report cards and stuff like that. And I went really well in English. Mm -hmm. So I always loved writing. Um, and, you know, writing songs was really a way of, of writing words and expressing, you know, my sort of view of the world through, through words, um, even more than music, I would say. Um, and then having kids just I started reading you know we were a huge reading family my my wife again legend that she has worked in children's publishing um when we first got together and so I, I sort of learned a lot about the industry through her and and saw it and saw what an incredible craft it is and I think when you when you don't before you have kids and you haven't read heaps of kids books you I think there's an assumption that it's easy and that it's like oh anybody could write a kids book and Obviously, as we all know, that's not at all the case. Um, and it's a lot like writing a song. You know, you have to be really succinct and tell this story in a short amount of time. There's, you, you need to edit the hell out of it. Um, and for me, I wanted the books that my kids were drawn to were the ones that uh, were enjoyable for the kids, but were also enjoyable for the parents. So that kind of craft really appealed to me um, and I wanted to try it. Um, and I, you know, I really started writing them for my kids, you know, Lights Out Leonard, which was the first book I wrote. 
um, was definitely for my kids, you know, like we said, lights out Leonard, my kids aren't called Leonard, by the way, but <laughs> we said, um, I was saying lights out Leonard to the kids, you know, five years before I wrote the book, it was just a phrase I'd heard. I think it was Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer with his nickname was lights out Leonard because he could knock people mm -hmm. out. And, uh, and I just thought that was, you know, when, when we'd put them to bed, we'd go, all right, lights out Leonard's. And then that for some reason turned into a book, but yeah, it was kind of to impress my children. My children aren't impressed with my, music career <laughs> it's hard to, I mean, they've, like they've come they've watched me play in front of huge crowds at falls festival play on stage at the opera house and stuff i remember last time i did those beatles white album concerts series that i did with tim rogers and chris cheney and phil jamison my oldest son literally sat outside of stage with earmuffs on reading a book <laughs> and my younger son was just completely enamored with chris cheney and would only watch his songs and didn't even watch <laughs> my songs. So yeah, I, I needed to do something to impress them. So I started writing kids books. I mean, one of the best things about having kids is they will keep you humble. You might be having a good day, feeling like you've had some measure of success and they're right there to bring you back down to earth again. Oh my God. All right, the last, when I got, uh, you know, I think I'd already done Lights Out Leonard and Banana and I, then I got uh, you know, a contract for the incredible runaway snot. And I said, we were sitting at dinner and I said, what about this guys? You know, your dad's a professional writer now. And my youngest son, Augie goes, you're not a professional author, dad. He, he was like six. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm do, I'm doing this. I'm like, I'm being paid to do this. It's my, it's my job. And he goes, it's not your whole job though. It's not your whole job. I was like, well, so unless my only source of income and the only thing that I do is writing books, then I'm a professional author and until then what well, it's just my hobby and he was like yeah pretty much and you wonder where they get it from because if you're anything like me I praise my kids for pretty much everything but do you know and I've heard this said many times the children often become the teachers right and there's definitely an argument that we praise our children too much for yeah. you know there's definitely an argument that we and it's you know and I mean this is getting way off topic but you know, it's especially having young boys. I've got two boys that I'm raising and I don't want to praise them overly for doing normal things so that when, when they're adults, they're not like sort of getting into that situation where they're like, oh, I looked after my kids for, you know, the day. Aren't I amazing? Aren't I an incredible man? So, I, you know, like his response was, was probably <laughs> on point. The right, the right one, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't disagree with you about the whole praise thing, but then I'm one of those people who think, oh, the world's going to crush them soon enough. I'll be the person who just, you know, praises them for everything and makes them feel good and safe. I don't know if that's, you know, correct parenting or not. <laughs> yeah, well, that, maybe that's the difference. Yeah, that's like kids always do seem to, you know, think of their mums as the nurturing, you know, the, the safe the safe sort of harbour, I guess. I'm probably parenting wrong. Oh, who, who isn't? Put it that way. <laughs> You know, I wanted to ask you as a songwriter and a musician and then moving into picture books, I mean, there are some similarities in that you have to write as much as you can in so few words, but you have to make people feel things and then you have to consider rhyme and rhythm and meter and being a musician that must have helped a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I absolutely when I'm writing them, I mean, that, so, you know, The Incredible Runaway Snot and Chatterpuss are straight up rhyming books. Um, and that was really grat like such a gratifying, it's like much more, uh, it's like being a landscape gardener or something, you know, like I knew, I knew what the story was. Like I, I, I knew what the story was that I wanted to tell. 
Um, and then it was like putting, you know, sort of digging a hole and, and then crafting it in a certain way. Whereas writing songs, I don't even know what the story is that I'm trying to tell half the time. It's just like this, you know, sort of magical, unexplainable thing that I can't really describe how it works. But it, I feel like writing is a, is a much more kind of structured creativity for me, uh, writing books. Uh, and I, I really enjoy that. It's kind of, yeah, it's more, it's more, I feel like it's more like being a tradesman or a craftsperson um, in some ways because it's, it's still incredibly creative, but it's like, it's using all those skills that I've learned through songwriting in a, in a far more structured way. Not, you know, even to the point where, you know, with a kid's book that it's going to be 32 pages. So you're kind of plotting out how, where these verses are going to sit with illustrations. So when I, when I write a book, I'll, I'll do a couple of verses and in between each sort of stanza or whatever, I'll, I'll write a description of what I think the illustrations should be there. And, yeah. and so a lot of the time it's, you know, it's also leaving enough unsaid so that the illustrator has a chance to make, make it their own as well. Um, all of that is a lot more of a structured kind of creativity. And so songwriting has kind of trained me up like, you know, on, on this next album that I'm releasing next year, there's a, there's a song that's 10, 10 minutes long, right? And you wow. just you wouldn't do that with, with <laughs> a kid's book, you know? It's just like there is a structure to adhere to uh, and that's quite freeing in a, in a strange kind of way. Oh, I really, I love all of that. Now, when you started writing picture books, did it surprise you about how much editing went into 250 to 500 words in refining that few amount of words? Did it blow your mind? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, that, that old thing of show, don't tell. Um, and that's even more so in kids' books. Um, so, you know, with Leonard, and, and it's also with kids, with illustrated kids' books, there is the relationship between the illustrator as well and having to have this trust that they not only get what you're trying to do, um, but that they will bring more to it. So with with Lights Out Leonard, Chris Nixon is the illustrator of that. And he just, all of the people that have illustrated the books that I've done so far, they've brought more than I ever could have imagined to the stories. I, I love the prose, I love the story. I know, I, I kind of had an image of what I wanted, but Chris, for instance, with that book, um, putting Leonard in the little fox suit just completely changed the tone of Leonard and Leonard's relationship with his parents and stuff like that. It changed the tone of of who Leonard was. Um, and so to the point where I would go back and re-edit some of the, the prose in that instance um, to kind of fit more in with Chris's illustrations. And same with Heath, when Heath did um, The Incredible Runaway Snot, like there is so much more in that book because of the illustrations than I could have imagined um, based just on the, on the rhymes. Uh, it's like, it's like a, I guess it's like, in some ways it's like the illustrator becomes you know, almost like a director of a film, you know, that the director has the script, but then they have to bring this whole other vision to it. Uh, that's, for me, that's been the most gratifying process of, of writing kids' books is, is working with the illustrators and relinquishing that part of it and, and just handing it over. And it's a true, truly collaborative thing, you know. 
no, mm. let alone the bloody editors that then <laughs> get involved. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a, such a great, yes. such a great process. I really love what you're saying about the parallel storylines. I find it really amazing when you read a picture book just with the words and then you read the picture book, just the pictures. And obviously they're complementary to each other, but sometimes they can also tell another narrative. And I just find that that is one of my favorite things about reading picture books. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great example. One of the books that my kids just loved when, when they were little that we would go back to again and again is a, a book called on the day you were born. I think it's called um, it's, I think it's uh, it might even be Mem Fox. I can't quite remember, but it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful book, but you could, the, the prose and the illustrations, they, I don't, they're not even telling different stories. They're, as you said, they're complementary stories, but you could, you could flip through the book and kind of point things out that are happening in, in the illustrations and not even read the text at all. And you would have still a beautiful story, but quite a different story. Uh, and I found I found that fascinating. With that that book in particular, really struck me as it being. Um, the, I mean, the the illustrations and the prose are still complementary, but they're quite they're quite different. They kind of tell two different stories. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favourite things about reading visual books is that um, you know the difference or the juxtaposition between the written and the picture book. Now, I wanted to ask you, when you're writing picture books, there's so many things going on in your head, not only what the illustrations might look like and the story that you've got to tell in so few words, but also with picture books, you're usually reading them to your children before they can read themselves. And you're usually reading them multiple times over and over every night. And so the best picture books, I think, and the best kids films are ones that have something in it for the adults as well, something that might go over the kids' heads or something that you both might find really funny. Is that also going through your head when you're writing picture books? Oh, hundred percent. Like that's the biggest thing for me is that, you know, I know as a parent that the books that I wanted to read again and again and again, and the, and the authors that I will, you know, support again and again and go back and, and buy more of their books are the ones that, you know, definitely that my kids loved, but were the ones that I was happy to read again and again, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, when I was writing um, Incredible Runaway Snot, like I I knew that on the surface of that, people would be like, oh, it's a book about snot. Everybody loves, it's kind of low hanging fruit. You know, kids love snot, so we'll get this. But I wanted the, I didn't want it to patronize the kids in the language or the rhyming. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. It's actually pretty hard to write a good rhyming book. Yeah, it is, especially without forcing the rhyme into it. Yeah, yeah without forcing the rhyme, but also without, you know, sort of defaulting to lame rhymes as well. Yep. Or near rhymes, which just aren't quite right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or, or rhyming. One of my pet hates is when people rhyme the same word with the same word. So like, mm. you know, I just can't stand that. It like, yep. drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, all, I always wanted and, and this is very true with Chatterpuss, A, to not patronise the kids so that there was, you know, realising that they will understand more than, you know, what's what seems to be going on. Um, B, like have stuff that the parents are like, can look at each other and roll their eyes about <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> that the kids won't pick up on at all. Um, and yeah, just for it to be entertaining for both of them so that, the parents want to go back and read this book again and again because we all know that by the end of you know the day and you're sitting down reading books to your kids which is beautiful and still some of my most treasured memories as a parent but like sometimes 
you're tired. <laughs> yeah, you're tired. And you also sometimes you don't want to read another book about like farts and poo and you know what I mean? Like sometimes you want something that's still entertaining but has a little bit more substance to it. That's, you, that's what I want to do with kids' books. And you know you're going to be reading these books, you know, 50 times, 100 times, and you want them to be entertaining for yourself. And it's good for kids to read the same book over and over again or have it read to them because it teaches them patterns and structure and it's comforting to them. But it's also an added benefit when it's, um, you know, exciting and interesting for the reader too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the time that you read picture books to your kids generally before bed, you're tired yourself. You've come back from a day of work or whatever you've done in the day and then you might have cooked dinner and cleaned the house and then you've got to put them to bed and, you know, you just need that hour as well. So I think if you have that, you know, interesting book that you can read them, I think that's an added benefit. There are so many times that I remember, <laughs> like, lying next to my kids reading reading books to them as they're falling asleep and I would wake up and realize yes. that I'd pretty much been reading in my sleep and and I actually remember one time my oldest son Archer was like dad what are you what are you talking about I was like what do you mean he's like you were like saying something weird like saying something strange about something or other and I'd just been pretty much talking in my sleep <laughs> I love that oh god it's like yeah that's those are beautiful but brutal times that's for sure i think there's definitely a picture book in that josh the sleep talking dad brutal but beautiful, beautiful. Love <laughs> the story it. of the story of reading your children to bed and then sometimes you'll fall asleep with your kids at 7 30 and wake up at midnight and think oh my goodness where am i what's happening yeah what done? because how can you not fall asleep when you're snuggled up next to this like human hot water bottle how can you not fall asleep it's the best I actually did that last night. I fell asleep at 7.30 with my kids and then you wake up about 9.30. You're walking around the house thinking I feel so weird and I'm definitely not tired at all. That's right. <laughs> then you, you got to stay up until 3 in the morning. Then. <laughs> exactly. It's They are strange times, but, you know, one day we'll look back and we will miss them. Oh, yeah, I already do. I already do. Oh, I seriously just had this conversation with my daughter half an hour ago. I said, oh, you know, you can never leave home. You have to stay with me forever. And she's like, she's seven. And she's like, oh, I don't really think it works that way. I know. Isn't it funny? Like, I remember my parents, like, from as early as I can remember them, going like, oh, you gotta, you're going to leave home when you're 18. Like, you gotta, you got to go there. And I was always like, huh, really? That seems a bit harsh. Our kids were like, look, we've pretty much designed our house so that you can live here with your families and uh, we will look after your kids and, you know, oh. you don't have to go anywhere. Well, it's kind of the, the Western Asian thing. Like my, my wife is Vietnamese and she would, she's fully thinking that, you know, at some point her parents will move in with us and, you know, or, or with one of her sisters. Um, and, you know, in, in a lot of Asian cultures, it's pretty, you know, it's just normal that families will live together. And when I was younger, I, I really couldn't have imagined anything worse. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, that's, it's a great idea, you know, yeah, sharing resources, you know, you, it also engages the kids and the elderly, you know, mm. in, a, in a different and beautiful way. So yeah, anyway. And, yeah. And I really like the idea of your parents taking care of you when you're a child and then you taking care of them when they need that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. And we are on exactly the same page here, Josh. <laughs> start a commune we'll start a commune <laughs> that's so funny do you know how long i've been waiting for someone to ask me to join a commune 
Now, I'm always really interested in collaboration between the author and the illustrator. Sometimes there is a relationship, sometimes the publisher is the conduit between you. What was your process of collaboration like? Uh, with this one, definitely um, Scholastic and Tiffany at Scholastic in particular um, hooked that up. And yeah, so I didn't I didn't know Darren. I still haven't met him. I, we've chatted on Instagram and via email, yep. but he's in he's actually in New Zealand. Um, so it was uh, definitely via the the publisher, um, but there was still there's always a collaborative process. So when we were trying to really drill down on what Chatterpuss would look like and what Glenn would look like, which is just so vitally important to this yeah. book, um, we just went back and forth. And I, I I got heaps of sort of reference images off the internet and and sent them over and yeah, we just kept on refining it kind of together. Um, but to be honest, like, this is the thing, you know, like I do what I do and illustrators do what they do and I'm not an illustrator. And as I said before, like every, I mean, maybe I'm going to have a bad experience in the future, but so far, and I guess this is a testament to the publisher connecting the, the dots in the, in the right way. Um, so far, just every illustrator that I've worked with is just, I consider it a highly collaborative process, but I really feel like they should have ownership over that side of it, that side of the storytelling. And every every time they've just brought so much more to it than if I'd been there micromanaging it saying, oh, I think, you know, Chatterpuss should be brown or, you know, should be a black cat or whatever. Um, and I don't know if that's, I actually don't know if that's how it works with other uh, kids book authors and, and of course a lot of kids book authors illustrate themselves as well which I, I would love to do but I can't do it so you know as a creative I have the utmost respect for their craft and and an acknowledgement of the fact that I can't do it so I think that's what can make a picture book richer or more layered or more complex is that you've got these two different brains working on it together I think so I mean you, you look at books like you know Gruffalo and or um that's another good example or you know like a great example is the Sean Tan rabbits collaboration but you know like those books the Gruffalo is iconic yeah so the Gruffalo is iconic but that's Axel Scheffler's image and you know and when you read his books that he's written the illustrative style is is the same it's highly recognizable um and it, the Gruffalo I just like none of us could imagine the Gruffalo mm. looking any different um, so yeah, you have to acknowledge the, the, the input of the illustrator in making things what they are, you know? Now, once lockdown is over, you're going to do a bit of touring. And I wanted to ask you if you'll be doing any writing for picture books during your tour, or do you need to separate those creative processes completely? No, I'm pretty good at, at, um, like there's, there's actually a fair bit of downtime when you're touring, you know, on planes and in cars and, you know, there's always a few hours in hotel rooms before you play and I like hate being idle I really yeah um just can't stand it I, ha I just feel like if I'm <laughs> I gonna feel be the like, same way yeah. oh yeah and it's also like when when you're touring I mean it's a hell of a lot of fun I absolutely love it but it is also as much as it's my job it's also time away from my family so I have this kind of guilt complex where it's like well if I'm going to be away having fun the downtime that I'm going to have I'm going to use it to be productive so I would say like a lot of the books that I've written have been written on the road okay. or at least the, the initial ideas have been sort of sketched out on the road. So I'm working on a few at the moment that, that I'll, I'll no doubt 
um, you know, have a have a bit of a crack at on the road. Um, and I also find just, you know, the being on the road is actually quite a stimulating mm. place to be. Like you're moving around, you're kind of emotionally fraught as well because you're away from home, which is always quite an ins inspirational kind of, uh, you know, yeah. state to be in. Um, so yeah, I'll no doubt be kind of, yeah, there's kind of no, I don't quarantine anything for any creative process away from any other creative process. It's all just kind of, yeah, creativity yeah. for me. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're absolutely right because being away from home and being out of your comfort zone is often the best fuel for creativity. I think so. Some people don't do it. Like some people, a lot of musicians that I know can't write on the road. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're a touring artist, that can mean that you don't write for, for 18 months because you're like <laughs> you're touring all the time. So I feel pretty thankful that that's never been the case for me. I do want to ask you about your charity, Busking for Change. So yeah, Busking for Change, I haven't done it for a while. It's an event um, that I ran for a few years raising money specifically for the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. Uh, and I've been an ambassador for them for about 12 years now. Uh, and that, that actually, I got into working with them through the children's book publishing industry. My wife at the time was working for Alan and Unwin and she told me about Susie Wilson, an amazing uh, bookstore owner up in Queensland, owns Riverbend Books. And she'd started um, this organisation called the Indigenous Literacy organization maybe back then i don't think it was a foundation um and so yeah i just thought it's it, they do amazing work i encourage everybody to go check out their website indigenous literacy literacy foundation um it's too long a story to go into here but yeah they do incredible work and i got involved with them and busking for change was was all about raising money for them so we raised about 60 grand for them wow. in the end uh doing that and i and to this day i'm still an ambassador for them Mm, that's such fantastic work. Now, Josh, the last question that I ask all my guests who come onto the Words and Nerds podcast, why do you write? I, I just feel compelled. I mean, it's the same with all creativity for me, whether it's writing songs um, or, you know, producing music for other people or writing kids' books. I just feel compelled to do it. I don't feel, I feel, I'm not, not even saying this is a good thing, but I day to day I feel like... <laughs> I'm a battery that's being charged and charged and charged and I kind of need to drain myself and um, writing books or writing songs is, is my way to do that. And I, I just find it enormously gratifying when you have created something from literally nothing, you know, I think it's, it's a, such a gift and a privilege to be able to kind of harness that. Um, so yeah, the, the shorter answer is I'm just, I'm just compelled to do it. I, I just, I just feel the need to do it. I love that answer so much. And Josh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and go on all these tangents. Not only have we talked about picture books, but we've talked about parenting and we've talked about all sorts of things, including the commune that we're going to start. So it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and good luck for the upcoming tour. Pleasure. Yeah, no worries. That was very enjoyable.